Hello, welcome to Really Centralize, and today we're interviewing Kenton Varda from Sandstorm. Hello. Hello. Hi. Right, so let's go straight in just very quickly. Can you introduce what Sandstorm is, who it's aimed at, uh, and what, what you're trying to do with it? So Sandstorm is a radically easier way of running personal instances of web apps, meaning you can have your own um, personal server uh, running it using Sandstorm, and you can install apps to it all through a web interface, um, much like you would install apps on a phone. So no using um, command lines or config files or any of that. It's just click and done. OK. And like, why would someone want to do that? What's the kind of motivation? There's a number of motivations. Um, the obvious one is privacy. So uh, today, your data is sort of scattered all over the internet. You have some on, on Google servers, some on Facebook servers, and, and so on uh, down the line. And um, they all do things that some people aren't comfortable with, like spying on you to develop advertising profiles or um, running experiments on you that maybe you're not comfortable with. Um, and they can do that because you don't really have a choice of going somewhere else because the reason you choose these products is based on the features of the product, not based on the sort of the hosting properties of the product. Mm. So if you decide you don't like, say, Gmail anymore, well, if you go somewhere else, you, you no longer get the Gmail interface. You have to um, live with a, a lesser interface somewhere else or something you're not familiar with. What we'd like to see instead is a, a lot of different hosts that are all sort of you can, you can upload arbitrary software to your host, and if you don't like your host anymore, then you can just move to a new host and take your apps with you. And that's what Sandstorm provides. And, and also with Sandstorm, you can, of course, run your own host, since it's all open source. You can run it on your own machine. Um, we don't know if everyone is ready to do that, but we, we want that option to be there. Um, I, I also need to say the... The real motivation for me is actually not all these privacy issues, but rather um, enabling open source web apps mm. um, to, to actually be viable. Because today, a lot of a lot of open source projects that well, there's a lot of open source infrastructure in the cloud, but there's not a lot of apps. Um, and the reason for that is that when someone writes an open source web app usually you have to run your own server in order to use it. They're not going to set up a server because they don't have any funding, because they're not a funded startup. Mm. Um, and moreover, you probably wouldn't want to use their server anyway, because if it's some random person on the internet, are you going to trust them with your data? Um, so with Sandstorm, they can just upload a package to the Sandstorm App Store, once it exists, and uh, you can just install it. Or they can send you a package today, and you can install it, and you don't have to rely on them at all. Yeah, that's definitely a problem I've had. That yeah, I've noticed open source web apps just don't get traction in the same way that some of the desktop apps have. Um, mm -hmm. So, is it initially mainly for developers, or can like non-programmer users use it now? So it's designed so that um, non-programmers can use it. It, the intent is that, like, if 
we're only developing apps for programmers. That's that's not a big enough marketplace to mm. uh, make this thrive. Um, currently, we we have not set up our shared host. We imagine that that non-technical users are mostly going to want to use the shared host. And right now, we have that in um, we have a shared host in alpha testing, but it's invite only. Um, longer term, we hope and hope to open that up, have a, a subscription model for that. Um, and then that's when the the the, the non-technical users will be able to come in and, um, and use that. But but the the user interface is definitely designed so that anyone can use it. And we think uh, technical and non-technical users alike um, mm. will will like the fact that it's easy to use. Because I know I, I certainly don't like mm. uh, maintaining a server personally, mm. <laughs> even though so, I know how. So right now you have to be technical to set up the server, but there will be presumably you want to have lots of different shared hosts so it doesn't become centralized again. How's that? R right. Um, so yeah, the only problem right now with um, running a server locally is that it runs on Linux, and you know not a lot of non-technical users are using Linux. So and not a lot of non-technical users are going to set up a VM. But you know someday we may. Um, have a sort of turnkey solution for installing uh, installing it on a VM or maybe having a hardware box that you can buy. Mm -hmm. um, there's a few projects that in the, the indie web community that are already working on hardware boxes. We would like to see some of them running Sandstorm. Just to get a, a quickly get a feel for the kind of thing you can do already with it, what are the sort of most useful apps that already uh, are available? So we have quite a few apps. Um, that we have ported, take open source apps that exist already. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're pretty easy to port since anything that runs on Linux can can run on Sandstorm since it's a native code sandbox. Um, we have ported uh, a few document editors like Etherpad and EtherCalc, which is a spreadsheet editor. And just today, we are releasing our port of um, Apache Wave, formerly known as Google Wave, which is mostly a document editor as well. Um, we also have a couple of email clients, MailPile and uh, RoundCube. And we have some blogging apps, um, WordPress and Ghost, um, and a bunch of other things. Um, some of the some interesting ones are, let's see, there's ShareLaTeX, which is a, a collaborative LaTeX editor, which is you know, the kind of niche app that you'd never see Google develop but really useful to a certain set of people. Um, there's IPython Notebook, which is a, a really neat little app that lets you run little bits of Python code and like plot graphs and stuff all inside a web interface. Um, that is a, another thing that's popular among a, a small group of people who use it very extensively. Mm. Uh, OK. So the kind of, I'm guessing from the fact that people will need hosting, that's one of the business models, is that you would pay for the hosting. Is that right? What's... Yeah, we hope to, to fund development by um, selling subscriptions to a shared host at some point. But um, if you are running your own server, that's completely free. It's, it's all open source, so you can just. Mm. And is there any kind of business model for the applications, or is it more like they'll be like, I don't know, GNOME desktop ah. applications? We will have a, an app store. Um, 
which will support multiple payment models. There, there's, of course, there will be free apps and paid apps. And then um, for open source apps, we want to support a pay-what-you-want model. So Let's... we hope that, that that will encourage a lot more um, uh, open source app development, whereas today, like, as I said, if you write an open source web app, no one can really use it, so there's not as much um, motivation to write open source web apps as there are to, say, write open source desktop mm. and mobile apps where we sell, see lots of open source stuff. Mm. So it can also host proprietary apps as well if people want to do that. Yeah, we, we do not put any restrictions on the licensing of the apps. Yeah. But obviously, they'd be running on the Persis machine, so it'd be like, yeah. Okay. Now, the one of the big questions always, so lots of these projects, I've, there have been similar projects that have started before, and part of it's about the technical execution questions, which I might ask more about in a minute. But the part mm -hmm. that doesn't get talked about enough is how, in marketing terms, really, to achieve mass take-up. What's your kind of, so two, two sides to that question, what's your kind of plan to get to mass take-up? Uh, and if you get there, how do you think the world will be different and, and better? Yeah, so currently, um, you'll see that obviously a lot of our marketing is focused on technical power users. And that's sort of phase one of the campaign is we want to get people excited about this. We want to get people like us excited about mm. this um, because these are the people who are going to adopt the platform for what it is rather than for what apps are available on it. Um, and then we're hoping that um, a lot of those users turn into developers who um, either write or port a lot of open source apps over to the platform. Um, in the future, we would like to have a, a phase two where we target um, enterprises. There's a lot of there's a lot of companies out there who um, are not comfortable with the software as a service model, um, are not willing to um, put their data on other companies' servers. And they have a lot of trouble right now because running a, an internal, uh, running internal servers and internal data centers is, is really a pain. You know, every app mm. has to be provisioned separately and requires attention from IT and so on. And there's security issues with running everything behind your firewall. And I think um, Sandstorm has the potential to solve a lot of that. So phase two will be um, marketing Sandstorm to those companies and getting um, enterprise app developers as um, partners in that. Um, and then phase three of the campaign, which is, is more like long-term, pie in the sky, but uh, we would like to see um, consumers attracted by the apps that are available on the platform. Um, and, and perhaps um, get Sandstorm in their hands through bundling deals um, with, say, your ISP or your, your laptop might come with some amount of Sandstorm service. And then we think, um, although the, these consumers aren't going to maybe understand the privacy implications as much as the power users do, mm -hmm. um, they will be interested in the apps available on the platform because we will have apps that simply don't exist anywhere else by virtue of them being for niche purposes that, that aren't important enough to, um, to warrant a funded startup, but are, are enough that you know, one or two developers um, working on it can actually make a living. 
you know, writing a little app, or maybe even just writing hobby, you know, writing apps as hobby projects on weekends. I've seen a lot of really interesting apps built that way. Hmm. And what do you think the effect would be on on the world and your original, like, in terms of what your original goals were, if that happened, if we suddenly had millions of people using this? So, what I'd like to see um, someday, and this is this is obviously, uh, you know, long term, very optimistic, but um, I would like to see federated social networks built on Sandstorm. I would like to see, like, I would like to host my own profile um, on, on my own Sandstorm server and connect to other people's profiles and have them um, syndicate news feeds back and forth um, in such a way that, you know, my, my data, like, it's no longer a walled garden. Mm. Um, different people can be running different versions of the, the social network software that may have different features. Um, and, and we're not all then locked into to one big provider that uh, you know, can do whatever they want, whether we like it or not, because all of our friends are there. Um, but uh, more generally, I just like I want to see th this world where where we can we can take our data with us. We you know the the hosts compete on trustworthiness, so we no longer have to worry about um, as, as I said earlier the spying and all of that. We can uh, we can run apps from a variety of sources. We can hook them up to each other. Uh, I want to see a lot of small modular apps that. Um, talk to each other through mm. this this is possible in sandstorm because of our security model um, and and our our powerbox user interface um, the the powerbox is basically uh, a way for apps to be introduced to each other where one app says hey uh, I have this object or I've implemented this object that implements this interface gives that to the platform gives a reference to that to the platform to sandstorm Another app says, I need something that implements such and such interface. Um, and then the, the platform displays the Powerbox UI to the user, where they say, OK, which other app do you want to hook this up to? Um, and once you've selected one, when the user makes a selection, they're obviously implying that they want uh, the first app to have permission to talk to the second app. So there's no need for a separate security dialogue. And I think that's that's going to be a much better experience for connecting apps to each other than we have today. Mm. We would say with, with, for instance, OAuth, and it allows you to connect apps that haven't heard of each other. So um, neither app is explicitly naming the other app; they're just uh, naming a protocol they want to use. Yeah. So as long as two apps can agree on that, you can hook them up, and so you can have a lot of small modular apps that do interesting things where none of the developers have heard of each other, but they can actually connect. Mm. And then you can sort of build interesting workflows out of that. Mm. And that, that's one of the things that excites me the most about um, where this is going. That's fantastic. So a kind of culture of creating new protocols and um, APIs which are shared. Mm -hmm. in, in fact, um, with Sandstorm, um, you actually can't say, I want to connect to 
this app, this specific other app. You can only name a protocol. It might be a protocol that that, that particular app has defined, mm -hmm. but uh, potentially anyone else can go and uh, take that same protocol and um, implement, try to, to implement their own emulator of that and thereby be able to hook in. So it's it's actually impossible to create lock-in between apps from the same developer. Okay. So, yeah. So you might have a contact book, for proprietary contact book, and have a protocol to talk to it, but then someone mm -hmm. could, yeah, create a layer on top of that <coughs> so with a real contact book they've got control of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's quite interesting. Okay. Um, just uh, very quickly, a, t a technical question in, in terms mm -hmm. of, obviously, you're doing lots of sandboxing and using uh, things like Docker, I think, or will be using that. What, uh, what's been interesting in terms of making sure that the apps are separate from each other um, and that that so, sort of things works well? So we're, we're not actually not using Docker specifically, but we're using the same Linux kernel features that Docker uses. Mm -hmm. um, so it's actually, this surprises a lot of people, but the, the Linux kernel interfaces for containerization are not very hard to just use directly. Um, so it's, it's only a few dozen lines of code for us to set up a container using them. And so people ask us all the time, like, why aren't you using Docker? Um, you know, why are you reinventing the wheel? And I say, well, we, have, we haven't reinvented much of a wheel. It's just a few lines of code. Like, mm. It's about as hard as opening a file. And you wouldn't say that just because two apps both open files, they must share code. Um, but, but yeah, so we use the same uh, underlying technology that Docker uses. And that means that. Um, we can run arbitrary Linux binaries, which means you can uh, use any any tech stack that runs on Linux to to run your app. So it's that's what makes it so easy for us to port in a lot of existing apps. Okay, fantastic. So f finally, then to get to this world of where lots of people are running their apps like this, how can viewers help? Like, what can both technical and non-technical ones do to? To, to make this happen? <laughs> well, if it's, um, if, you're, if you're seeing this before the end of August 2014, then you can go to our Indiegogo campaign and contribute, um, uh, which you can find, of course, linked off of our webpage at sandstorm.io. Um, otherwise, after that, um, you can help a lot by porting apps to Sandstorm. That, or, or writing apps for Sandstorm. That's, a, that's an easy thing to do that doesn't involve like a lot of coordination with other people. You can just sort of do that. Um, another thing that you can do is um, help to make Captain Proto available on more platforms. If you're, if you're a developer and you have a particular language, programming language that is your favorite and you're really good at and it doesn't have a, a this is Captain Proto by the way, a Captain Proto um, Bindings, it's a, it's a serialization protocol. It's the underlying communication layer that Sandstorm uses. Um, go ahead and take that up and uh, make it available in your language. That'll make it easier to um, write apps in that language. It, it's not required to write an app in that language, but it will make it easier to access the, the more interesting features of the Sandstorm API. Um, Otherwise, um, you know, get the word out 
tell people that this exists, sign up for our service when it, when it exists so that uh, we can use that to fund development. Um, or, uh, or get on the, the Sandstorm dev mailing list and uh, talk to us and, and see what's, what's there to do today. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Kenton. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope you succeed in, in your project. Thank you.